Well, before we celebrate the Lord's Supper, I did want to say a few things about exactly what it is, because I, I know just from speaking to people and hearing from people that there are a lot of shallow views on communion. Uh, some of it think of it as a, as a kind of rededication. Uh, you know, a moment to renew your allegiance to Christ. And, and I'm going to do better after this personal time of reflection. Or others, it's only a time of examination. And, and the question they're asking is, well, has my Christian walk from this last week, has it been worthy or meritorious so that I might partake in the Lord's Supper this morning? That's a, that's a horrible way to view the Lord's Supper. It's, it's not what examination means, though that's sometimes the impression given. And still others, it's merely a memorial. This is just a remembering that Jesus died and nothing more. And so people often Imagine pictures of a tortured and dying Christ to, to stir up some sympathy for Him. These are all ways that Christians think about the Lord's Supper, but they all need refinement because none of them are the entirety of it. And to answer what it is, I just turn briefly to 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23-26. through 26. You're getting two sermons for one this morning, so it's a deal. 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26. Paul begins speaking of the Lord's Supper actually all the way back in chapter 10. And, and Lord willing, on an upcoming communion Sunday, we'll, we'll look at this, these two chapters. But in these verses, it's, it's the most decisive passage on what the Lord's Supper is. Verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that He was betrayed, took bread... And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is broken, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. I want to point out four pillars of communion in this passage. And again, we'll be brief, but four pillars of this Lord's, of the Lord's Supper. One, it's remembrance of Jesus. We remember Him. He is the focal point of it all. And the reason for this is to remind us that all of the blessings that we have in Scripture and from God and all of our hope and all of our joys are that, are, that we have and that are found come to us in Christ, not apart from Him. Right? The blessings you receive as a Christian, it's not like they're taken out of the heavenly storeroom and given to you. The doors of that heavenly storehouse are opened and Christ walks in and you enjoy those promises only because you are in Him. And so we remember Christ who is our all. Second, His body is broken. And in the context of chapters 10 and 11, and we don't have time to do this right now, but the meaning of what this is, is, is preaching becomes clear. Christ's body was broken so that the body of believers would be one. All divisions, partialities, disparities, racial prejudices, language differences, all of those things that can divide people were broken down in the breaking of the body of Christ. And that's why chapters 10 and 11 have so much to do with division. 
It's in the context of the Lord's Supper because Christ's body was broken already to create unity and we must be very diligent to preserve that unity in the church today. The bread, all taken from one loaf, symbolizes the unity we have in Christ because of Christ. And it's why the divisions in 1 Corinthians are dealt with so severely in these chapters. Number three, it is the blood poured out. It's the cup of the new covenant. And again, we could go to Jeremiah or to Ezekiel to see what this means, but it's the atonement that Jesus wrought for His people at the cross. It's the forgiveness of sins and the reconciliation to God. And we remember that. And so it's not that you're worthy or that you must become worthy. Now, one of the qualifications to participate in the cup is that you confess your own unworthiness. It is for sinners who have turned to Christ. It's for saints to remind them of the ongoing washing they receive as Christ continues to forgive the sins of His people. It reminds us that those sins committed, not, not with, a, with a high hand, sins committed arrogantly and unrepentantly, but those sins that plague you and wage war against you are forgiven. And this forgiveness should renew your effort to mortify the flesh. And lastly, it proclaims His death until He comes. This is a time of looking back to what was accomplished by our Lord, but also looking forward to what that accomplishment will ultimately bring to pass. His death and His resurrection, His broken body, His poured out blood, they assure us of His returning. And so the Lord's Supper reminds us of our future hope. Because Christ has died, the day of final reckoning will for His people, for those who celebrate the Lord's Supper, it's not going to be a day of terror, but a day of our greatest delight. And so we proclaim this until His coming. Then it goes without saying then, that if these things are true for you, you have not put your hope in Christ. You don't care about the body, the church. You don't want to repent of your sins. And you're not looking forward to the coming of Christ. This is not for you. But if you have trusted in Him and have united with His body, the church, you're covered by His atoning, sealed by His blood, and you're looking forward to His coming, then raise your hearts to heaven this morning by the bread and the cup of communion with Christ.